Sarah, hello. Hi, Kim. How's it going? Going well. We are heading into a holiday coming up, so I'm very excited about that. <laughs> you just had some really like some spirit fingers. There's some body language. <laughs> I was like, how do I describe it? Because it's not this weekend, but I'm sort of just taking it like it starts this weekend. So whatever. Ooh, okay. How about yourself? I like that. I was telling Kim earlier, I am covered in glitter. I am getting ready for a work trip tomorrow and just, you know, everything is a little hectic, but sparkly, which is pretty much, that's like my happy place is a little bit hectic and sparkly. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. And how exciting, like a business trip. Woo! (laughs) Well, let's get to our guest because I'm really (laughs) excited. We have, I've known Kayla Somerville for a very long time. as I'm sure we'll find out when we talk about what she has been doing in Charlottesville. So Kayla, welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, thanks so much for coming. We're really excited to talk to you. So could you just first tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'll give you the abbreviated version. Kayla Somerville, and depending on who you ask, native, not native, I was, I came to Charlottesville before I was a year old, probably around nine months. So for anyone who was born here, I am not native. For anyone (laughs) who's been here uh, or not born here, but they usually give me cred for being a native, but anyhow. You're talking to two transplants, so you get native (laughs) credit from the two of us. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's the only community that I remember growing up in. And I grew up in the Charlottesville city public schools, went away for college, came back. And when I came back, worked for a little bit, but then had the pleasure of starting working at C4K. Yes. And you are the executive director of C4K, which in its early days was known as Computers for Kids. I'd love you to tell us a little bit about that evolution. Like what what got you involved to begin with and what are different kind of maybe big steps that have happened? Because you've been with it for a long time now. And if you have time to tell us what an executive director does, I know I, for one, would find that very helpful. (laughs) Well, that may be a whole entire podcast (laughs) because, you know, it's everything everything from taking out the trash to fundraising and and everything in between, especially when you're a small nonprofit. Oh, okay. And when I started C4K, we were a staff of one and a half. So you got to try out every task. But, but C4K started out as a computer mentoring program. The concept of C4K was created on talk radio, Charlottesville Talk Radio, which I think is awesome, where community members were just saying, oh, you know, all these people are getting hardware and they're throwing it in the landfill. And there's got to be families in our community that would like to have a computer in the household. And so a community member, John Baker, was um, involved with the Albemarle County Schools. And he said, well, I'll do a survey to see if there's a need. You know, are there kids in our community who would like to have a computer? He did that survey and found that there was almost a direct correlation between the number of kids who qualified for free and reduced lunch program and the number of kids who did not have a computer in the household but Mm -hmm. wished to have one. And so the initial concept was, well, let's, let's put computers into the hands of young people. And so the community members, Meredith Richards, Sarah McConnell, and Irv Cox, who thought of this project, started talking to some local businesses to figure out, you know, is this something that we could get off the ground? They went to Virginia National Bank, 
who was just getting ready to open up in Charlottesville. And the education community for VNB said, you know, great idea to give kids computers, but if they don't know how to use them, they're just going to become gigantic paperweights. And so Virginia National Bank said, go back to the drawing board, you know, give some thought. And, you know, what long story try to be short, <laughs> was that they, what C4K came up with was let's do mentoring. Let's match every young person with a community member and have that person help guide the young person in learning how to use that, use that computer. That was sort of the concept. Now, when rubber hit the road, a grant was written and received, and then this group of volunteers had all this money that they had to start a program. And that's, that's where I came into the picture. So they needed to hire someone to oversee the grant and oversee the program. And our grant was, because we were not a 501c3 nonprofit, the grant was awarded to the Boys and Girls Club for the benefit of C4K. So our partnership started at the Boys and Girls Club of Central Virginia. And and then we became our own 501c3. But for C4K, we have always been, and even though we've evolved, and I'll talk a little bit about that, we've always been first and foremost a mentoring program. We've always been a youth-centered, project-driven organization. I like to say C4K was doing project-based learning before everyone knew it as PBL. We, we were big believers in if you're asking kids to come after school and in their summers to learn, you better be giving them something that's of interest to them. And, and how do you make it relevant is you ask them, what do you want to learn? What do you want to do? What do you want to create? Here are the tools. Here's the adult support. Go for it. And can you remind me when that founding was? Like when was this early time period? Yeah, so our um, we kind of have three anniversaries. The grant was awarded October 31st, 1999. We became incorporated in 2000. And the first group of youth walked through our doors January 16th, 2001. We did a summer pilot before, but when we opened our doors to computers for kids, that was January 16th, 2001. And then the first cohort of mentors were trained in February of 2001. That's very cool. I've never heard that whole story before. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun story. And so I paused because I, I wanted to take a breath <laughs> and then give you guys <laughs> a chance to ask a question. But Kim mentioned how we've continued to evolve because when we started, as I mentioned, 50% of the, our kids on free and reduced lunch program did not have computers. Now, if we were to do that survey again, my guess would be we would see those lump numbers much lower. And it may not be a desktop computer like the survey initially asked, but cell phones. You know, most people, a lot of people have cell phones and that's like a computer in your pocket. And so... C4K was trying to figure out, okay, how do we grow, evolve, and change and continue to meet the needs of the young people in our communities? We know they now are getting access to computers. And even if they don't have one in their household, they were getting exposed to them a lot more in schools than they had been. And so we decided to rethink how we define technology. And that's when we came up with where STEAM powered. So we expanded into science, technology, engineering, art, math. We 
early on added the A because we felt that art was a critical component to, oh, yeah. you know, complement STEM. It complements and enhances every aspect of our life. And we felt that it was important to put that letter in, in the acronym. And when I think of my time at C4K, I think of your amazing music studio. And so the art really, whether you are drawing or filmmaking or studying photography or making music, like there's so much space for creating art there and infusing it with technology. It's really cool. Yeah. I feel like your space is one of the best examples of a makerspace in Charlottesville. So it's really cool that it's accessible to the young people that it's accessible to, but I wish it was even, you know, there were more of that around because I think yeah. you have so much going on. But right now it's all under construction. What's going on with that? Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's a question I get from every board member every day. <laughs> the construction is moving along. I don't know if I want to say this out loud. Um, there's lots of wood around me, so I'm going to knock. Um, we're on schedule. And it's looking amazing. We had a funding opportunity that presented itself to allow us to do some renovations and we decided to run with it. And our reason for doing it was that we wanted to make the space even more accessible to make it an even more collaborative environment. I mean, I think you two have both been into our space, but I think for you know anyone who's listening and you're welcome to come by after February 1 when we are reopened, I think Part of the magic and what you see going on at C4K is on any given day, you can walk in and there are youth and adults from all walks of life, from different neighborhoods coming together and working and creating and designing and building community. And the way the space had been was it was sort of two separate spaces, one that we were using for the one-to-one mentoring and the other space was sort of for group mentoring. And we decided, you know what, we all do so much better when we can be all together. And so those one-to-one mentor pairs sometimes may need help from a group mentor or, and if we're in one big space, we can be more inspired by each other and foster greater collaboration. So we're, we're excited. We're really looking forward to being able to get back into the space and and start creating again. So you mentioned The initial reason for the founding of C4K was to help youth who didn't have access to computers have access and also learn, so connect them with a mentor. And obviously that has evolved over time. And I know when I started volunteering at C4K, I loved the project-based part of it. And I'm just like, you know, I hadn't started teaching yet. I was still doing technology work on the side and I'm like, oh, you know, I wish education was like this. I wonder if it is. And then when I got in, I'm like, oh, hmm, sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. But what would you say right now is C4K providing that is maybe a gap it's filling uh, in students' educational experience? That's a great question. And I, you know, I always want to be careful because I think our public schools work really hard to meet the needs of our youth and meet the needs of all of our youth. But it is such a big challenge, right? You know, to be a teacher in a room with 20 some individuals who all are learning and growing at different rates, have different interests. And 
hats off to all of you who who manage that. I couldn't do it. <laughs> and C4K couldn't do it. You know, the magic to C4K are our volunteer mentors. I think one of the things that C4K can do that other spaces can't do is expand our young people's social capital. You know, so if you're a young person who has an interest in, I don't know, let's say coding, and no one in your neighborhood works in that field, and you really want to learn more about that, you know, coming to C4K, chances are we've got a connection. Chances are we can have you talk to an adult who does this for a living. We've even had opportunities to take kids to field trips to see what they're learning and exploring and playing with at C4K, how it translates into a job, into a career, into the next step to education, to your going to college or to getting a certificate. And so I think the bringing together of people from different careers and having them interact with the youth and really just helping to expand that social capital is something that there's no way schools can do that. It's just, there aren't the resources available. And the magic that I see at C4K is that you do have the time and the space and the staff that's so incredibly focused and connected with kids that you can just say, what do you want to do? Which again, a teacher wants to do that, but just doesn't have the time and the space within the curriculum in the classroom. And so some of these kids are like, what do I want to do? Oh my gosh, what do I want to do? Like, (laughs) and they have the possibility to explore and figure out. And all of a sudden it goes from, I think I'm interested in fashion design to, oh my goodness, fashion design is a career and it's a job. And this is a real human being who has done it. And all of a sudden I see myself doing it and achieving and going to school and practicing. And like, I can visualize this path that I didn't have before. And something that magic just happens at C4K where kids start to see themselves in a different light and build this confidence and see this vision for themselves. That's really, really cool to see. And that's, that's so true, Sarah. And and that's what's so important about being really intentional about having mentors from various backgrounds, because a lot of conversations take place where they end up talking about, well, how did you get into the profession that you're doing? And not all of our mentors, you know, take the traditional route. We love, we make sure that those stories, those mentors who have had alternative routes share their stories with our youth so that youth see not everyone gets there going this in this on this path. And not everyone who does this looks like this. It's really making sure that we have representation of all of our young people in our volunteers so that they can visualize, as you said, it's so important for them to be able to see themselves in that space. Yeah, I I really appreciate how C4K and after-school programs in general can really complement education that students are having in school. And one of the things that I learned more about through my research this program I'm taking, one of the things I had to do is research tech girls. I'm like, why do I really have this? And is it really, you know, making an impact? And there's been recent research that shows that after school programs do provide that spark and those maybe connections with people who are actually doing these kind of activities, computer science, coding, you know, whatever it is. That's obviously what I'm looking at, technology. 
If they don't see it at home and they don't see it in their friend group at school, after school provides this opportunity to see it in a safe space. Right. I was just going to say in a non-threatening environment, right? And I think what I love about C4K, you're not getting graded. You're not being judged. We really build a culture of everyone is valued here. Everyone has something to contribute. And so in environments like that, youth are willing to take more risk. Mm-hmm. And so they might be willing to try something. Here's one of my favorite stories about a C4K member. Someone had mentioned something about coding. It was a young girl. And, you know, this is sort of what we see in middle, Kim, you know, this all too well. Once kids start, especially girls hit middle school, you know, math isn't for me. Coding isn't for me. That's what boys do. And this was the same thing we were seeing with this young woman. And she's, you know, she just had no interest and thought, I can't code. That's not good. And she got matched with a mentor and I don't know how she came into finding this project, but she ended up taking a pair of tennis shoes and programming them. So she put led lights on them, but she programmed them. So depending on the impact, different lights would light up. All of a sudden she had to learn to code and she did. And she liked it and she realized she was good at it, you know, and now is she going to go on and do coding for a career? I don't know. You know, does it really matter? Not as much as it matters that she now has a confidence and belief and knows that she can do that. And I could sit and bore you for days with stories like that, but that's what's so exciting, right? Is seeing a young person all of a sudden realizing, oh, Maybe it's a spark or maybe it's just, oh, I can do that. I thought it's only those kids that can do that, but no, I, I can do this too. And whether she goes on to a career that involves programming or not, that's a skill that's in her toolbox, that's in her arsenal that she, she knows she has a lot of jobs that don't directly involve programming. If you can do it, it's an asset. It helps you climb the ladder. You can personalize things and make things work better and tweak them. I mean, that is a life skill that's a literacy that will go with you, that will help you regardless of where you end up. Absolutely. And now she also, we hope that one of the skills she's learned is that until she tries something, she doesn't know whether she's good at it or not. And, you know, and there's no harm in, in giving it a shot. Which is so hard for stereotypically for females and for girls in middle school, like if I'm not hundred percent sure that I can do it successfully, I'm not going to try. Right. And you have totally pushed her out of that comfort zone. And now she's like, well, I think I can maybe do anything. That's so great. <laughs> we, hope, we sure hope so. I, I, know, I know she can do anything. <laughs> so Kayla, you obviously love this organization. You've been with it for a while now. And you're obviously, I hope, love working in this nonprofit space. And I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about, A, what you love about it, but also what can be challenging about, you know, guiding a nonprofit? Sure. I'll start with the fun part. Um, (laughs) Again, a whole nother podcast on on what I love. But I, I think to me, what's really rewarding is seeing students and sometimes seeing students who don't always do well in a traditional academic setting it's very heartwarming to see a young person who struggles academically come in and see themselves as being successful, Mm -hmm. seeing them complete a project and having 
everyone clamor around to see that project and to celebrate that project and to see the kid standing an inch taller, you know, taking real pride in his, her, or their work. That to me is one of the things I love about the organization. I always tell people on any given bad day, you know, if there's such a thing as a, a bad day at work, looking out and seeing all the young people and all the amazing community members who are here giving other time and talents. That to me, I think is one of the best things about working at C4K is that I've had the opportunity to meet amazing people, amazing youth, amazing families, amazing volunteers. It's, it just brings the best of everyone. And I, I, I love that very much. And then what I don't, what the challenge I almost is. want to cut you off there. That was so good. No, but that's important to hear the challenges too. Just have to put that at the end of the podcast, right? <laughs> I'm not going to talk about what's challenging about nonprofits, but I, I do want to throw something at you. And I'm going to throw this at you because Kim, I'm hoping maybe you can lend me a hand. We're in, CPRK has, you know, like everyone else for the last 20 months been trying to figure out how do we continue to be relevant and provide services that are needed to our young people? We are, and I'm reading and hearing from my peers nationally, that older youth are not re-engaging in after-school and extracurricular activities like their younger peers. And I want to know why. I think there's lots of whys. And I think the reason I really want to know why is what's going on, you know, so are there mental health issues or is it that kids have just figured out, well, I've stayed home for 20 months, I can stay home longer, you know, are we going to see long-term people being more isolated? What kind of impact is that going to be on their mental health? And really trying to get an understanding of why are youth not engaging? And if there are mental health issues or other issues making sure that our local youth serving agencies understand the underlying issues so that we can provide those additional supports. And so that we can also be aware of as we're trying to recruit and, you know, get youth back into our programming, what's going on in their heads? Like maybe we talk to them differently because we understand they're dealing with this issue that we're not aware of. And so I think Kim, that's what's keeping me up at night right now is why can't we get kids back and what can we do so that when they come back, what can we do to make sure that they understand that they're coming back to a safe environment? Yeah, I totally understand. We're having the same challenges with tech girls and we don't have a space. So, you know, like we, we can't normally, a lot of what we do is in the school system on Saturdays, but we can't even use those spaces right now because of restrictions still. And I do wonder about the youth who have, like, it's, it's interesting you say they're not coming back. I'm also wondering about those youth that haven't even experienced it yet, you know? Right. Like, I feel like it, it's going to be on both those ends. And I really think it is going to require a community effort. Like, I don't think one nonprofit can fill all those gaps, especially mental health ones. So that's a really, yeah, I don't have answers, but I agree that is a. Yeah, I, well, if you run across any research, you know, in the ed school, I'm, I'm really curious. As I said, there's not one thing that's 
our youth are dealing with. I think there's still kids that have anxiety about exposure to COVID and, mm -hmm. and just a, a host of things. But I think if we can find, you know, someone's bound to have done some research on this. And if we can just as a community come together and understand this is what our youth are dealing with and, and how, how do we come together as a community to support them so that they can be in a mental place to be able to come back and, and engage. Because I worry about the long-term impacts mm -hmm. of isolation. What's a chicken and egg situation, right? Like the the worse you feel, the the more trapped you feel in your depression and anxiety or in your fear of leaving or in the comfort and lore of being home, the less likely you are to go out. And the less likely you are to go out, the more you're going to fall into the depth of whatever mental health struggles you're dealing with. And so the two can just feed on each other in this cycle until, you know, leaving the house and signing up for a new activity or meeting somebody new or signing up for a mentor just feels so far out of reach if you get stuck into that cycle. So breaking out of that cycle has right. got to be challenging. Yeah, and I think for, you know, I think that's definitely the case for some kids. For other kids, I think they've just figured out, you know, for so long they couldn't socialize, but they figured out, oh, there's, I can hang out with my friends online. And that's the yeah. only opportunity I had for so long. And that became normalized. Mm -hmm. And so now like, maybe I don't need to go anywhere and do anything else because I can hop on FaceTime and hang out with my buddy and play a game or, you know, whatever it may be. But how do you entice those kids who, you know, may not have a mental health issue? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just I'm comfortable at home and playing games, but how do we encourage you or to get you to break out and try something new? I think it's harder because we haven't had to do anything new for so long. We couldn't do anything new. So how do we, how do we make that attractive again? Yeah. And I think so much time has gone by that you almost have to reintroduce the organization again, right? Like if, if it hasn't been at the front and center of people's minds, I know, I know, especially for tech girls, I feel like we had this great momentum and, you know, these programs that were steady and stable and growing. And now I just feel like we're starting from scratch again. It, it is. It, it, it definitely. And my colleague, Tricia, that's, that's exactly, I mean, she's been going into schools and letting students know about our programming, but she did come back today and say, I'm not expecting 50 kids to sign up. She goes, we just have to be out there again and get our name and our organization. We have to build trust, right? You, mm -hmm. People have to know who you are and that you're a safe space. And so we're, we are, it's like starting all over again, where we're having to prove ourselves and demonstrate our commitment to the community. So we do feel like we're, you know, even after 20 plus years, we feel like we're starting back at ground zero. Well, offering a brand spanking new space will maybe help. Like we hope so. I mean, we're, we're here and our space is so cool and it's brand new. Yeah, we're we're hoping that that will be an enticement, some curiosity, and and we're really hoping to reach out to our neighbors and inviting them down just to do some real casual tours or opportunities for people just to stop in and see what we're all about, figure it out for themselves if it's something that would be of interest to them. Yeah, I feel like that location is so great to be like a hub. And like I said, because it's got such a great maker space, I bet you could open it up to some makers and they would come and share their talents. Absolutely. 
So I do want to end on a hopeful note. Okay. And I thought maybe we could talk about, I don't know if this is the right thing, but I, I noticed that there was a conference recently that some of your um, members presented at, I think. And I think that's happened several times where you've had members represent C4K and, and talk about what they do. And I just wanted to hear more about that. Thank you for asking that question. Trisha Howell, who is a colleague of mine, she's got a new title, but she now does member and mentor recruitment and retention. And she decided to one time apply to be a presenter at the National Mentor Conference. And she thought, I could come up with something or I could bring the experts. I could ask some youth (laughs) to be on a panel with me. And so she just put it out there. Hey guys, I'm going to present at a conference and we're going to, this is what we're going to talk about. Is anyone interested? And she had some young people agree. And so that's something that Trisha does every year, which is she goes to a conference. Most recently, the talks have been on youth voice and how to incorporate youth voice into programming. And in most cases, Trisha is the moderator. She's not the the expert. And so our youth have had an opportunity to present at national conferences. Most recently, the conference you're talking about was a statewide conference, and it was virtual. It was the first time the students had to do a virtual conference, which, oh my goodness, more power to them. (laughs) I think that would be (laughs) incredibly difficult. I mean, I think it's incredibly difficult to get in front of a crowd of people anyhow, but I don't know, virtually somehow seems a little more intimidating. But for us, it's really important that we're giving youth opportunities to be the expert. They have a lot of knowledge to share. And if we are giving them opportunities every year, we're modeling your voice matters, you matter, you're the content expert. And it's been very rewarding to watch these young people grow and develop their presentation skills. I mean, I in high school, never had an opportunity to do anything like that. And I just think of the character building and the resume building that these opportunities afford the young people. So we're we're always look out for opportunities to help our youth develop, further develop their skills and, you know, not just their tech skills. Well, that is a hopeful note. Kayla, if somebody wants to get involved with C4K, what's the best way for that to happen? Go to our website, c4kclubhouse.org, and there is an application, mentor application. There's also a student application. If that doesn't work and you prefer the phone, 817-1121, give us a ring and we will happily plug you in um, in a way that is meaningful to you. And I just started my first gig as a mentor after knowing and and kind of working alongside with C4K for probably six or seven years. Number one, getting involved was so easy. They work with your schedule. They're thrilled to have you. Everybody is super warm and just thrilled that you're there. And the person, the young person that you linked me with, I, we immediately clicked <laughs> and I was just so it's, it's such a wonderful experience. So if anybody's out there thinking, Oh, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm thinking about it, but I'm just not sure do it. It's so rewarding. It's so wonderful. You can make such a huge difference to, to a kid and to C4K, this organization that does so much to support Charlottesville and, and we can support it back. 
And Sarah, I'll put one last plug in, which is we tell our potential volunteers is you don't need to be an expert. The one great thing that you can teach a young person is, you know, sharing, I don't know how to do that, but let's figure it out together. And so that shoulder to shoulder learning is something that we really value at C4K because there's opportunity for youth sometimes to be the, the teacher and other times the mentor. And we encourage and support that and provide training in areas that you're wanting to grow in. I'm so good at not knowing how to do things. That's probably why <laughs> I'm so good at, you know, why mentoring is a good click for me. I'm like, I have no idea how to do that, but I definitely want to know. <laughs> Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. This uh, I knew it would be awesome, and it was. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank thank you, you both for having me. I had a great time, and look forward to seeing you both in person soon. Yay! <laughs> All right. Until next time. Tech, love, and happiness.